everyone, you're listening to Happy Hour History. This is Caden. Before we start into the second half of Harriet Tubman's life, I am just going to be doing a quick recap because the episode did end sort of abruptly just because we did not realize this was going to be quite as long as it ended up being, so I had to sort of split it at random, which is, again, totally my fault. Um, But I'm going to just be doing a quick recap of what we learned last time. So um, Harriet Tubman, she actually wasn't born Harriet Tubman. She was born Araminta Ross. She was born into a family of slaves. Her family was split when her father was separated from their plantation and taken to another site uh, several miles away. And then in multiple instances, uh, her siblings would on occasion be sold further south. And when that happened, essentially... She just never saw them again. It was sort of um, tantamount to either a death sentence or just being completely lost in the system and never managing to find family again. So she never did see those siblings. Uh, She was the fifth of nine children. When she was growing up as a slave, uh, she was injured by a man who was actually chasing a different escaped slave, and she sort of got caught in the middle. Because of her injury, which was to her head, she did suffer uh, from epileptic seizures and other issues throughout her life. She also did um, have instances where she believed that God was speaking to her, giving her messages, and that actually helped her on her missions to bring people to freedom. So she has a bit of a a Joan of Arc situation happening. She married a freedman. Um, If you remember, that actually did not go so well, we learned at the end of the last episode. And at this point, she took her mother's name and then her husband's surname, so she became Harriet Tubman, the name we know her as today. Uh, She tried to escape when she thought she was going to be sold further south, and she first went with her brothers, and they made her turn back, and that was something that she was really, really unhappy about. She did not want to be forced back. And so within a few days, she actually left again, this time on her own, and she was able to make it to Pennsylvania from Maryland. Once she realized that she could do this with the help of the Underground Railroad system, she decided that she was going to go back and try to help family members come back. So the first time it was to help a niece, but in future trips she would help many of her own family members as well as other slaves uh, to get to freedom first, in some instances to places like Philadelphia, but eventually they generally went to Canada because of issues with the fugitive slave law allowing for uh, slave catchers to find runaways in the north and re-enslave them essentially so they weren't even safe um, in the northern parts of the United States. So she would help anywhere between about 70 to 100 people escape slavery And that is sort of where we left off. So we're going to start into some of the various ways that she was able to escape uh, detection and then get into the rest of her life, including the Civil War, which is something that does not get talked about nearly enough. So um, it's going to be me and my brother again. Um, There is a language warning for this podcast, so there are 
might be instances of swearing. Um, but most importantly for this episode, like I said last time, my brother and I are uh, white. Obviously, we are trying to treat this story with the respect that it deserves. I think that Harriet Tubman is one of the most amazing and fascinating women, uh, people even in all of American history. So we definitely want to uh, tell her story faithfully and to not kind of make light of anything that happened during the years of slavery in America. Um, so this is a comedy history podcast. We've tried to restrain most of the comedy uh, to things that are not specifically about slavery, but about kind of the South and other things. So uh, hopefully we've managed to get that right. But yes, please enjoy the rest of the episode. I do apologize. It does start up. Um, it does start up sort of right where the last one left off. So that's why this little summary was important to do. But hopefully you guys enjoy the episode. She had a couple of tricks for how to get out of sticky situations. Um, once she, so she, sometimes she would dress up as like an old woman or as a man uh, to protect her identity. I often dress as both of those as well. I mean, okay. Uh, she also, uh, in a couple of instances, would make close encounters with former owners who would have recognized her and been able to turn her in for the reward money that was still out on her head. Um, and... So one time she picked up a newspaper and started reading it. Of course, she is illiterate and they would have known that she was illiterate. So the fact that she was pretending to read the newspaper is like, oh, like that's, that's a freed woman who can read, but also it covered her face. So it was kind of a, mm. a dual move, but apparently they were like, no, no slave woman would ever pick up a newspaper. Ha ha ha. Toy to toy. So they didn't get her that time. And then another time she came close to a former owner. I don't know if it's the same one or a different one, but, um, she used a distraction technique so she was they were in like a market i guess and um she didn't want her face to be seen when she realized that that former owner was in the same area so she basically like had like she there was like a chicken and she like let it loose she's a ninja so that when the chicken was loose she could like quickly duck out and escape it's like free smoke or it's pre-smoke bomb smoke bombing yeah just 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 chicken ruckus crazy chickens chickens um yeah so she had some techniques um and she continued having her seizures and her kind of spells from god and stuff and she would use these as like obviously her mission but also sometimes they were translated into song that could be used as like a message to the others that like she was going to help them or like how exactly they were going to meet and stuff and like they generally knew the same songs so like you could kind of code things within that i guess which is kind of smart 
And then also, as I previously mentioned, uh, she didn't have kids, which made it easy for her to leave when she escaped alone. But many of the people that she helped did have children, and she couldn't force them to leave their children behind. (laughs) So she would actually um, basically give the children a form of opium. Oh, I love opium. uh, That was like on bread and or like even just like rubbed into their gums. And she would drug the crap out of these babies uh, so that they wouldn't cry. They would just sleep all day. You know, I've been, uh, you know, big fan so far, but I'm not pro... Drugging the children? Yeah. They could have just gotten them all killed or okay, re-enslaved. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> would I rather have opium for a night or be a slave? I mean, I would take opium for a night It's anyway. not a night. It's multiple nights. I would take opium for several nights anyway. Well, but then, like... then you don't think she's bad. But, yeah. So that was, that was like, she got to a point where it was basically, if, if you're gonna come with your children, that's fine, but this is how it's gonna happen. Like, this is the reality of what needs to occur. Uh, so that's something that she did. And it was also an appetite suppressant, so the babies that might be like fussy and hungry all the time like weren't so bothered hopefully as soon as they got to like anywhere vaguely safe they like fed those kids because obviously children are very small and need to eat to keep not being even smaller yeah but even smaller kids are fun not if you're like a baby tossing like a football you just die um just you just like disappear uh (laughs) you just fade and then so she at one point got like a toothache and obviously having toothaches back then in general was really bad because nobody wanted to go to the dentist but like she especially couldn't go to a dentist and so on one of her trips um the teeth were causing her such problem and it was like her I, I don't know if it was teeth or tooth but it was the front ones and that's a problem not the important ones yeah those are like big important ones didn't like your molars um and so she was having problems with at least one, if not both, of her front teeth. And she couldn't go to a dentist. And so what she decided to do was um, she took either... The stories differ, but it may have been a rock or it may have been a gun. And she literally just knocked her front tooth out. That's kind of badass. Honestly, she's killer. Like, she's like a scary lady, but like, I love it. Like, she's hardcore. I definitely couldn't do that. No, I would never want to knock my own front tooth out on purpose. I've knocked it out Just by accident. Just take some of the opium, man. I've knocked my front teeth out by accident twice in my life. That's <laughs> but I've, I have to say, knowing what it feels like, wouldn't want to do it on purpose. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, what's, what, what, I mean, what's a third time? Really? <laughs> what is a third time, really? It's a charm. Um... So her father, like I said, he was free, but he was still in the South, and her mother actually had been a slave well past 45 when she should have been freed, but her husband eventually struck a deal with the wife's owner, Ritz's owner, and um, he was able to buy her for like $20. <laughs> so again, dollars are a lot back then. They're yeah, worth I mean, a you lot. could have bought two houses with that. You couldn't buy two houses with that, because that's not how much a house costs. <laughs> Um, but he buys his wife for $20, so she's actually free, and they're both still in the South, they're both in Maryland. Yeah, just um, living it up. But they're both free, and so, like, they're, and they're feeling pretty good because, you know, most of their children by this point have been freed, and so, and they know what Harriet's doing, like, they're kind of comfortable. Um, but the problem is, is that, like I said, when you have this many people from the same family 
ritually disappearing, um, it starts to get a little noticeable. And so she's worried that these disappearances of their family are going to make her parents targets. Even though they are free, they're going to come under suspicion for, like, helping or, like, knowing information about how these members of their family are getting away. So she decides that she needs to go down there and bring them to the north. And again, you'd think that they could just go yeah, just north. Yeah, send a note be like, Canada, don't bro. But apparently she has to go get them. Now she's concerned about this because they're older. And so she's used to bringing up anywhere from like a baby to like a reasonably aged adult who can maneuver in the woods and deal with very, very long days of walking multiple days in a row until you reach somewhere safe. Her parents aren't quite like that. And the thing is, too, is that just kind of adding on to the problem with her parents is that the Supreme Court had also decided at this time that no black person, whether they were freed or a slave, would be considered a citizen. Uh, um, was that the, um, that was, was that a court case? Uh, well, it's the Supreme Court, so yes. Yeah, yeah, that was... Who? I don't know. Oh, uh, dude, I really... I, we've, I know this, but it's hurting my head. Well, know. anyway, um, so the thing is, is that especially now that they're potentially kind of suspicious figures in the disappearances of all these slaves, they have no protection, even as free people, because they're not citizens. So that's why she decides that she really needs to go down there. So usually she goes in the autumn, but this time she goes in the spring because she can't wait and she's worried again about, like, their health. So I guess she rigs some kind of, like, rickshaw situation. I, also, she must get a horse. I don't really know how that happens. But she's been kind of able to raise a bit of money uh, through what she's been doing. And so she makes, like, a rickshaw, rickshaw situation uh, because they can't walk the whole way. And because of this, they have to stay closer to, like, the actual road. So this made it much more dangerous mainly for her because she's the escaped slave but all around not a stellar situation despite that they do make it to canada and i mentioned how she failed to get rachel and rachel's children uh she actually tries i think on two different occasions and both times it fails and both times she doesn't waste the opportunity even though she's heartbroken about it she still brings up other people um so that they are freed um at this point, she's done this trip so many times, she begins telling the story um, in events in the North because she needs to make money. Obviously, she has so many family members up in the North now, um, and she needs to be kind of breaking in more income. And also, it's getting, you know, she's going back all these times in her, like, 11 to 13 trips that she needs to have money to do these trips back. Um, and so she starts basically going on, like, a speaking tour almost in, like, the northern states where there's a lot of abolitionists to speak to. Um, this was obviously very dangerous um, because even though the people she's speaking to are abolitionists and they're horrified with what she's telling them, um, she's basically putting her name out there like, I'm Harriet Tubman, I'm an escaped slave, I help other, like, slaves to escape, this, like, you know, this is, like, what they've done to us, blah, blah, blah. And so she's no longer hidden, I guess, which is really problematic. But she, like, is kind of becoming popular in the North. And people are donating to her cause. So she's raising money for her family and also raising money to be able to go back to do more trips. Then when she's doing these speaking tours in the North of the United States, not in Canada, um, she meets a senator and he 
becomes kind of a friend of hers or like a benefactor and he basically wants to give her a farm that he owns for a pretty reasonable price back then it's not ten dollars it's twelve hundred dollars um, but it's a decent property as far as I know. She obviously does not have $1,200 just like sitting around. But he lets her have like a mortgage and she pays monthly or whatever um, based on like their whatever they'd worked out, I guess. But he's very tolerant and like lenient with the payments in terms of like because they he does see her as like kind of a friend and he knows her situation. Yeah, so he's not I mean, like he's not like a really demanding landlord. <laughs> I mean, she still pays him, obviously. She doesn't like stop. But um it's, you know, he's not, like, incredibly strict about it. Nice. Um, what a good guy. So now she owns land in, uh, it's in New York. The thing is that she doesn't actually feel super comfortable about that situation because she owns this land, which is great, but she is still a, an escaped runaway, and so at any point she could be apprehended in New York, whereas in Canada at least she's slightly safer. Um, but her parents, who are freed, obviously can come and go in the United States, and, like, they're safe. Uh, whereas she always feels a bit apprehensive about the whole thing. So then we get into, like, the 1860s political situation. Obviously, the 1860 election uh, has Lincoln coming to power. He was elected with only, actually, less than 40% of the popular vote. So if we're talking about how problematic... Uh, okay, but to be fair, he wasn't on... 10 of the southern ballots really yeah. yeah but he won an electoral landslide so you know what he Point didn't for the electoral college. he didn't carry a single slave state i mean i don't know if you're saying he wasn't on ballots but like but like no northern zero plus like no northern states are not slave states yeah yeah every northern state obviously voted for him yeah. and then did any slave state vote for him like, no i just said no slave state voted for him and he still carried, and, and he still managed. Oh, because uh, at this point it's there's uh, four. I think okay. there's four uh-huh. more free states than there are slave states. And so, of course, he is elected. Once this happens, there's kind of a quick decline in what happens. 1861, South Carolina secedes. Uh, the rest of the South quickly follows, contrary to what people may tell you um, on the internet. All of the states that seceded did list in their secession documents that it was about slavery. It's also in all of their constitutions. Yeah. So just so, in case you're listening and you're like, but it wasn't about slavery. First of all, stop listening. No offense, but full offense. But secondly, it's literally written in their secession documents that it's about their right to own slaves. So states' rights. Uh, Two on slaves. The Confederate vice president even said that the basis of the Confederacy was built off of what he called the Great Racial Divide. Yeah, so it's kind of a hot mess. Um, but the Civil War begins. I'm not really going to get into the Civil War because, like, in terms of, like, battles and stuff, I just, it's not relevant to this topic. Um, but, of course, people begin enlisting. Originally, black men weren't allowed to enlist in the north that eventually changes but kind of wild they weren't allowed to be union soldiers uh she thinks that it is like part of her mission to be involved in the war she's also not pleased with president lincoln he is uh, not pushing for any kind of emancipation at this point because he doesn't want to alienate the border states who have not seceded at this point. So he doesn't want to alienate the border states. So he's not pushing for any kind of emancipation right now. 
And she believes that her, like, purpose in this is to bring about emancipation or, like, that emancipation's meant to be coming. Um, so she's not super happy with Lincoln provocating on the topic, but she wants to get involved because she wants to be part of the solution, essentially. Lincoln actually was considering sending black people either to Africa or to South America, and she's like, no, I, like, I live here. I don't, you know, it's not great here, but at least I, at least I, yeah, I know, but at least I know what here is. Whereas if I go somewhere I've never been, don't know what that's going to be. And then at this point, a governor that she must've been sort of familiar with from her speaking uh, engagements asked that she might be a good person with, because of her connections in the South and like her ability to kind of hide in plain sight, that she might be good for espionage. I love spies. So she kind of gets <laughs> recruited to see if she can become a spy. Uh, she ends up going south again, and um, she kind of feels like she's able to be involved. But as a runaway in the south at this point, like it's even kind of more dangerous because obviously, like everybody at this point is super high tension. So if she had been found, like who knows what they would have done to her? But that, but also like all the like. You know, murder slave only boys are kind of like they're not busy sat in enough. A camp up they're in not busy Virginia. enough not to murder. It, that, that's like she's in Virginia. Uh, well, Virginia and South Carolina. Well, don't walk into the murder boy camps and you'll probably be fine. She's a spy. Okay, walk into like the murder boy towns. The towns. Having are said defined. that, at this point, she's actually not working. She, they they recruit her and they're like, "Well, you should be a spy." And then she actually goes to the south where it's very dangerous for her to be. And they're like, "Eh, what if you didn't? You're, <laughs> you're a black woman. You can't be a spy." I guess like the the guy who tried to get her to do it must not have had communication with the people that were actually like there in reality. Um, so there must have been like a communication breakdown on that one and so she ends up doing domestic work for the troops um (laughs) not domestic work again and not the espionage she had been intending on doing eventually though she was able um to because she could talk to the slaves that were there i mean obviously anyone could it's not like a language thing but like they trusted her more than they would trust random white people um so she could and these People like the slaves who'd run away to Union camps for their own safety or protection, um, who were trying to have themselves freed, she could work with them. And they, because they were running to these Union camps, um, they had to find ways to provide for themselves. Forge. No. So they would, they would basically work in the camp. So some of them would, like, be washing women, and some of them would cook. Oh. And these, the, the military men these men in the army they still like had money they still paid for things so if you wanted to have your stuff washed you paid a woman to wash your stuff and so these these people in the south these slaves who had run away to union camps to free themselves um they were doing that as a way to kind of make money and survive and at this point she had been working in the union camps um technically not as a spy but she'd been working for them and they had been giving her, like, a little bit of money and then, like, food as well. And that set her apart from the other black people in the camps, these freed slaves. And so she ends up saying that she won't take that and that she'll work with them instead. Oh, uh, so they were trying to give her, like, an allowance almost. I mean, I mean, it wasn't, like, you know, the benevolence of their heart or anything. But she ends up deciding to, because she wants, she has to keep, she feels this connection with the people. Uh, she doesn't want to feel like that. 
that she's somehow better than them, I guess. And so, yeah, so she gives that up and she is going to work. So she acted as a nurse. Uh, more nice. men obviously died of disease and infection than from the actual, like, physical bullets and things that were happening in the war. Um, she wasn't actually paid for her work as a nurse, which is kind of wild. Like, they had just been giving her, like, you know, stuff for being there and, like, helping out and whatever. Uh, and now that she was acting as a nurse, like, I guess capitalism doesn't happen when you're black because they did not pay her for being a nurse. Um, whatever, it's not great. Nothing is um, great. So she would be a nurse in the daytime, make zero dollars from all of the effort she did, and then to be able to actually have actual money in the evening hours, like, made pies and stuff. And she would feed, help feed the camp, essentially, and they would pay her because, obviously, that, like, again, if you're getting your stuff washed, if you're getting food from yeah. somebody, like, you pay them for it. Um, so she'd make money from that. So she basically worked all day and then well into the night to be able to feed people. And that was how she made her money. Um, eventually she was able to enter enemy territory and she could kind of listen to what was happening and pass information back to, um, the union leaders. Yeah. And that kind of made them reconsider everything so they finally gave her a mission as like what she was meant to be doing uh she took a team of local freedmen who knew the rivers in the area at this point they are in south carolina and um they spoke to the still enslaved people there who had heard and like knew where all of these bombs along the river were so she knew where all the bombs were and then it's the Combahee River? Com I don't know if that's said right. And so since she knew where all of these were, she was able to do a nighttime raid with, obviously, the help of the Union Army. So they had, like, three little steamer boat things. And they went down the river, and she knew kind of where to go and where to avoid. So she was at the helm of the first one, kind of, you know, leading the charge. Mm. And when they got to where they needed to be, um, to uh, what I assume was a Confederate encampment, they surprised the crap out of them at night and, and shot them up burned the place to the ground like nice. anyone who was there was killed like they destroyed it uh and she was very much like a scorched earth kind of person like she recognized that if you were going like she was sort of the anti-martin luther king in the sense that like if she was gonna do it like violence was gonna be necessary she's like sherman so yeah so she was okay with violence obviously if the whole you know shooting people who tried to go back wasn't enough indication to you she didn't mind violence um so they basically destroyed this encampment and then all the enslaved people in the area uh, were able to go back with them um so they all got on these boats and they ended up saving and freeing 750 slaves that night so technically not the ones that she brought on the underground railroad but that's 750 people added to her total of like 70 to 100 nice. um that she Big like boost. like that was her mission she led that mission she was actually the first woman of any race uh to plan and lead an armed mission in the civil war nice go team and uh they were okay like i said with killing people they were also okay with destroying property that's something that's still really controversial today, but whatever. Then they go back and she basically goes to work as a nurse again. They're like, yeah, you did it, but nurse. <laughs> yeah, but we got like 30 dudes in a tent who like need someone. You still can't be a spy. Um, and she was there for about two years that she didn't retor return to the north. 
um, she was really stressed, actually, because when the Emancipation Proclamation was enacted, it only freed slaves in the Confederate states and not in any of the border states, because obviously uh-huh. Lincoln do- doesn't want to um, harm his relationship with the border states. And Can't lose Kentucky. <laughs> well, she's from Maryland, and that's a border state. So she, while serving the Union Army, technically is still an escaped slave. She's not freed. She's working for them, but at no point has she been given full freed woman status. So That's weird. Yeah. And, um... So she I wasn't... Never, I never think about Maryland as a border state. Yeah, she wasn't a big... Well, I mean, they had slaves. Yeah, but... Yeah. So she wasn't a huge fan of Lincoln, as you can imagine. Um, she would go south. She was in Virginia for a time. She was in Florida for a time, which is... I don't Ew. know. That's really south, so... Meth heads. Um, and then eventually the war ends. Um... Right after the war ends, Lincoln is assassinated, and then we get into the whole story. We just start into a brand new story, and that story is Henry Graphbone. Yeah, honestly, she just combined them. <laughs> just piggyback him. Now, we're going backwards in time, apparently. And also forwards, because this one goes on for a, a bit longer. Because um, he dies, what, like 20 years later when he does his little murder-suicide. All the fun stuff. No. He... Oh, no, he doesn't suicide. No, he murders. No, he, he kills his wife. He murders, but then he's, like, just in Germany chilling for a while, and then eventually dies in Germany. We've been Oh, new. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's It's been a few months. Yeah, it has been a few months. So, she... So, the war's over. Uh, they pass the 13th Amendment, which finally frees her. Yeah. So, the fir- for the first time ever, she's finally a freed woman. Uh, obviously, she is the first... Like, she's... Not an idiot. So she recognizes immediately that, like, being free doesn't end the racism that she's going to face. It's still a bad system. But, you know, they can't return her to slavery at this point. Um, She goes to D.C. and she tries to um, fight for back pay. Obviously, she'd stopped stopped her own payment midway through. Um, So she wanted to get back pay and then also to get a pension. Oh, and you said back pay. I thought you meant, like, she was trying to fight, like, enforce the government to pay, like, back pay for all the slaves. Oh, all no. the work they did. No, no. She wanted her own back pay for her work in the war. Oh, uh, okay. And because, like I said, she'd never been paid as a nurse. And that yeah. had nothing to do, like, when she stopped getting paid before, that was before she started acting as a nurse, as far as I know. I'm not, I think so, as far as I know. And so she's like, I've, I've literally never been paid for being a nurse. Like, can you guys please pay me for that? Um... And so she tried to fight for that in D.C. It doesn't work. Yeah, Eventually, like she gets a happen. train. She gets a train to go north back to her home, and um, while she is doing that, she like had a ticket that was like a different price, and it was for veterans. Mm. Uh, and she tried to use that, and I guess the conductor like did not believe that she could be using a veteran ticket, and so he tries to like tell her to go sit in a different car and that car is like right behind where all of like the coal is burning and everything um that sounds so, dangerous so yeah well yeah so it would have been like a really gross place to be for a long train ride and also like she was entitled to be where she was trying to be he just didn't care and didn't believe her um so she refused and she was the original rosa parks she refused to leave and he decides that's not cool so he tries to throw her out now she's actually stronger than him so he can't do it <laughs> but then he gets two other guys to help him and like three of them can do it and in doing so they throw her into the other car and they break her ribs and one of her arms 
come on, guys. And this, the thing is that this was happening in the north. Like, the train she was on was in the north going north. So she's like, I just fought for the north. It's probably Boston. For the not, no, she wasn't in Boston. For the, no. for like, the union who didn't, you know, believe in slavery. But, like, this kind of racism is always, like, it doesn't go away just because we're freed now. So, yeah, she, like, was very easily disillusioned about, like, what was coming next. Mm. Um, so she wasn't happy. She goes north. Um, she sees her family. Uh, at this point, when she's at her home in New York, other people, like, besides her family, begin coming to her for help, basically. Like, they don't have money. Obviously, like, if you're a freed slave, a freed former slave, I should say. Um, you broke. Like, yeah, like, you don't have, like, there's no system. There's no social security. There's no secure, like, there's no safety net in place. So all of a sudden, you're just, like, living a different life. And so people would come to her for help because, you know, they recognized her name or they, you know, they'd heard about her. And she never wanted to turn anyone away. But that also meant that it was really difficult because she just, like, literally didn't have the money for that because yeah. nobody ever wanted to pay her for things. Um, because of her, like, speaking engagements in the past, she did have a decent number of important connections in the world. Um, she didn't necessarily want to, like, beg people for money, but, like... You know, some people didn't mind giving to what they felt was kind of like a charitable cause. That makes it sound a little bit, you know, you don't like being considered charity, but like they felt like they were helping um, people who were kind of down on their luck. Yeah, that makes sense. For obvious, they were really, yeah, very obvious reasons. <laughs> for really, just that you don't have luck if you're a slave, if you're a former slave. Um, and one of the people that comes to her for help is a man called Private Nelson Charles. Uh, when Nelson. He, when he becomes a freedman, he changes his last name to Davis. He's obviously um, a black man. He was a soldier in the war. And so he comes to stay with her family at the house. Uh, he has TB. Uh, he's also 20 years younger than her. Hot. Um, but they... She actually finds out that her husband, who has not been in her life in a long time, um, has died. Hot. He got in a fight with a white man, and then the white man got acquitted for the murder. Of course. Um, and so she's met this guy, Nelson, and uh, he's much younger than her, and they have some kind of connection. Uh, they do end up getting married. Having said that, it's probably not like a love match. It's more of like a convenience thing, like they mutually can help each other. Yeah. Um, but, like, they, I don't think they hated each other or anything. It's just, like, it wasn't about romance, necessarily. Um, she keeps appealing for her back pay and her pension. Uh, she tries to get her big-name friends to help her, and, like, the newspapers even take it on, and the government refuses to be shamed, so they continue to not give her any money. Um, and so without the back pay, she needs a way to support herself and her family and all these people that are just showing up for help. So she decides to have um, a biography written about her. Of course, she can't write it herself because she doesn't know how to write. Um, so she has an author to help her, like, officially create a biography. So she goes to this author, uh, Sarah Hopkins Bradford, and she tells her her story. Unfortunately, I guess Bradford also, like, just happened to have a European trip at some point when this was all happening. Like, mm. after the story was told, but before the story was written. Mm. And so she just, like, fucked off to Europe for a while, which, I mean, fair enough. But then uh, <laughs> she doesn't leave herself enough time to actually write the book. So the book that she writes isn't very good or very accurate. Nice. Um, so some of it's not right, which isn't great. And it, a story that we've talked about for this long and that has been 
like, there's a lot of interesting parts to it, and there's, like, a lot of drama and stuff, and, like, she's gone through a lot of things. It becomes a very boring story, almost, or, like, mm. not, not what it should be, uh, um, because it's just written by, like, the wrong person, but Harriet Tubman only had so many options, and yeah. she couldn't read. Um, so that she didn't know sucks. how bad it turned out. I, I mean, I assume at some point someone read it to her or something, I don't know. Um, or somebody told her, like, hey, I, I know your life, and I don't think Yeah, this, this thing blows. This doesn't feel right. Um, she was meant to get $1,200 from this book, um, but potentially she did not get it all. Or at least she probably didn't get it all at once, because it takes her several more years to pay off the rest of her mortgage. Uh, although she eventually does. Nice. And, um, so she and her hu- new husband, they work at this, at her house, which has a farm, and they're helping the people that are still continuing to come to her for aid, and she's still trying to get her fucking pension. <laughs> um, and then a child comes into their life through, like, the work that they're doing at the house, um, and she is called Gertie, and she was adopted by Harriet and her husband Nelson in 1874. Gertie. Um, so they, she never has her own child, but she has Gertie. Yeah, because by this point, she's probably, like, 40. Yeah, like mid forties, maybe even like close to fifty now. Maybe even I don't know. Again, she doesn't have a birth date, so people would try to scam her and rob her though because her name was like well known. Um, so they would try to mess with her, and that was kind of sad. Somebody scammed her out of two thousand dollars once. It's a lot of money. You yeah, can buy like twenty then, houses with that. I mean, consider her book deal was only twelve hundred. You buy like twelve houses with that. You can't buy twelve houses. With <laughs> yeah, so that wasn't good. Also, at one point in the 1880s, like, part of the house burned, which isn't great. So, like, she just got, like, her life is a series of unfortunate events. But, like, also she does a bunch of badass stuff to negate some of the unfortunate events. But it's not stellar. <laughs> um, and then in 1888, Nelson dies, age 45. Again, he had TB, so, like, he was always sort of unwell. But he not did live... But, I mean, considering they got married when he was in his 20s and he died at 45. You know, he, he kicked it for a while. And they had some time together. Um, she worked once. Um, obviously, they had freed the slaves and they were obviously not freed people. Um, she worked to try to advance women's suffrage. Uh, she thought that she should be able to vote, which, fair enough. You probably, you know, that's something that should have happened. Um, white women made it really fucking difficult to work with them, though, because some of them were, like... Because by this point, black men could vote. Like, that had been established. Go team. And they were like, excuse you, but why... Like, because they were, they were still racist enough to be like, why can black men vote, but white women can't vote? And so a lot of black women were like, okay, fuck off with that nonsense. She was still willing to work with them, but, like, it was hard. You know, like, she knew she was dealing with some bs silly women that's why your feminism has to be intersectional y'all if you're not helping all women you're not helping any women um yeah so so she did still work with the white women but like some of the black women started to kind of rally amongst their own causes because at that point they're like we clearly can't work together like this yeah um freaking racism and and so one of these kind of specifically or, like, at an organization specifically done by black women. Uh, she was invited to speak. At this point, she's, like, old. And, <laughs> like um, old. she's old. <laughs> and, uh, she was considered, like, Mother Tubman. She was invited, uh, to speak. 
And in her speech, obviously she talked about, like, her life and the things that had happened to her. But she also talked about her goal for creating a home for people who, uh, black people who were either elderly or, like, unwell or infirm in some capacity. Um, and obviously that's, like, what her house had been doing already, but sort of, like unintentionally and by accident but now she wants to like actually like, she wants like, a, like charity. a charity like foundation. an actual like like a home for people that need help yeah not like her home that just happens <laughs> to take people in um and so she spoke about this she needed the money to help create this charity so it was something that she was talking about to try to garner support um eventually because she's is pretty old by this point uh she turned this mission over to the church that they're involved with, so that it can be created properly by them. And it becomes known as the Harriet Tubman home. And it is literally in her home. So, oh. <laughs> um, I think she like continues to live there, but the, by that point she's old enough that like, it makes sense for like the elderly to, cause, to yeah. yeah, she's, like, she's, she's going just, to live there. Now. She's just one of the many elderly people who are living in the home that happens to also be her home. Yeah. Um, and so she's still, uh, she's still fighting for her pension. Um, also she fights for her widow's pension from her dead husband. Um, and actually she gets, it's funny because it's hard that, um, Was that marriage ever recognized by the government though? Well, that's the thing. So as far as I know it was because her first husband had died Mm. and they were both freed by this point. So they could get married. Um, but the thing is, is that because he had changed his name, I mentioned that he changed it after he'd been freed. Um, It became hard to, like, track exactly who he was and, like, that their marriage was, like, to the right person. No one took accurate records. I mean, they tracked it somehow. But they ended up figuring out that, yeah, she was a widow of somebody who had been in the war. So she deserved a widow's pension. And it's funny because she gets the widow's pension before she gets her own pension. (laughs) Um, And then eventually, um, finally, she gets the money she was owed from being a nurse Mm. It takes over 30 years to get the money she was owed. How much was it? Like 30 bucks? Well, that's the thing. So, I, depending on who I've read, they've said some contradictory things. But I'm going to stick with this answer. Um, it was $8 a month for her... Um, $8 a month for her widow's pension. So, that's the money she got from... Just literally marrying a man who had been in the war who then died. Mm. Um, and then she got $12 a month after 30 years for the work that she had done in the war. Dude, that means... So she got 20 bucks a month. That which, means every month she could buy like two houses. She, um... Yep. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's, that's economics. That is economics. Stonks. Um, yeah. So she finally gets her money, which is, thank God... Uh, at, at some point in this kind of stage of being a bit older in her life, uh, she also is still having her problems with her head pains and her, like, she's not sleeping right and her headaches and stuff. She, this girl, goes through brain surgery Ew. with, like, no modern anesthetics. So, what, they used, like, a hammer, a chisel, some leeches, and some bandages? I don't even know. I mean, maybe they gave her, like, some alcohol, but even, like, brain surgery? Dude, I love being boozed up when and she I'm doesn't, getting... she doesn't even die. She, like, bites on a bullet, and she lives through that crap. That's, cr- like, br- I can't even imagine brain surgery in the past. Like, that's, you're, you're really tempting God on that one. 
Um, but I guess he's on her side, and it works. Her, yeah, her whole life is tempting. It works in the sense that she doesn't die. I don't know if it actually works in terms of, like, fixing her problems, but she's not dead. Okay, and... is talking to God really a problem? No, I don't... I think she meant the headaches and uh, the sleeping and the problems. Um, but yeah, so... Uh, something happens, and she doesn't die, which is a, somewhat of a solution. It's a plus. Yeah. And, um... Oh, I should have said also, they never paid her for being a spy. They only paid her for being a nurse, hmm. which is wild, because she saved 750 slaves that day and, like, destroyed an encampment. But whatever. Uh, in at some point also, obviously before Queen Victoria dies in 1901, uh, Queen Victoria, during her, one of her jubilees, I think it's her diamond jubilee, um... She was, like, sending things out to various, like, important people around the world and, like, heroes around the world. Um, so, Harry Tubman, who, of course, never met Queen Victoria, never traveled outside of America and Canada, uh, she was sent a medal, and she was also sent a very nice, like, silk and lace white shawl. That's pretty cool. That she wore a lot, so those were both from Queen Victoria, uh, which was pretty exciting. Go, Vicky. Yeah. Um, in 1913, and she wore that shawl a lot, but in 1913, um, just before the outbreak of World War One, girl could not have, like, like, blessed that this girl dies <laughs> in a time of, like, sort of peace. Like, racism's still huge, the KKK's happening, but, like, World War One hasn't happened. Um, and in 1913, just before all that craziness is gonna happen, she, uh, gets pneumonia. Well, that's she, tough. Is she's really old. If you think she was born sometime in the 1820s, she's like, you know, somewhere near the like mid 90s. You have to assume. Well, she, well I mean, if she was like 1829. No, I th- no early 1820s. She was really 40 when the Civil War broke out. Yeah. Damn, dude, she's old. She's okay. really old. Holy crap. Okay. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so she had pneumonia, um, and it was obviously going to kill her. Her, supposedly, I don't know if they're her, like, actual last, last words, or if it is some of her last words, but some of her last words were, um, to her family, she said, I go away to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you also may be. So, that's pretty cute. Uh, the beginning, I understood, but that last bit kind of confused me. I mean, if you think about it, like, she always went first, yeah. And then prepared a place to bring Got her family bit. with her. So where I am, you also, like, will be, basically. Uh, okay. So, like, I will prepare it, and then you'll come and join me. Oh, great. So her work never ends. Yeah, honestly, girl, even unto death, is like, I better go get things ready for you. <laughs> um, so <laughs> she Gotta go cray. warm your bed. She cray. She just never, she just never stops. Um... And she, so she dies on the 10th of March, 1913, and she was actually buried with the medal that Queen Victoria had given her. Nice. That's pretty baller. She's actually buried, I think, with, like, military honors, which is ironic because they keep not giving her the stuff that she was owed. But yes, that is the life of Harriet Tubman. Um, Now we know her mainly as the woman who's meant to be on the $20 bill. And, uh, who knows if that's still going forth. Although, that's apparently... That's definitely not happening. I mean, I, I she really needs to, because, let's be real, the other guys are racist. Jackson? So. Oh, yeah, Jackson's horrible. I know. I've been new. Um, and then also recently, I did not, like, plan this. 
in the sense that, like, well, I had planned this. This was always going to happen. But I did not plan this in terms of events that are currently happening. Because I guess some credit card company or, like, bank or something, I don't know what it is, made a Harriet Tubman card. And it has her face on it. But for whatever reason, she's doing, like, the arms crossed, like, Wakanda, Wakanda forever. Wakanda forever. And, and people were like, why? Like, what? And the card company that, like, makes this you know, like, debit or credit card, was like, oh, it's not Wakanda forever, that's coincidence. And I'm like, then why do you have her <laughs> doing that? Like, that was, someone made the choice to God do that. Forever. What what did they think they were doing with that? Something cool. So, I don't know, but basically, the moral of the story is, is that she's really cool, and I adore her. And but she wasn't a fan of Lincoln. She wasn't a fan of Lincoln. He did not uh, endear himself to her. Because he majorly sucked. He was just slow. In terms of, you know, what she was aiming for, which was freedom for the people that needed to be free. He got it there. He, he was just an old man. He was moving a little slow. He didn't really. I mean, he, what, he pushed the 13th Amendment almost completely through before but he, he got a but bullet. But he died. Right? Yeah, okay, sorry. Which you can't that, blame the guy for eating a bullet. Well, the thing is that he objectively didn't do it. But he got it, like, 99% of the way mm-hmm. there. All I'm saying is people idolize him Wait a minute, wait, a what's your much? favorite president? I don't have a favorite president. If they it's not suck. Abe Lincoln, I'm gonna beat you up. It's not Abe Lincoln, but I don't have one. They all suck. You're a Jackson lover at heart. No, Jackson's, like, bottom of the barrel. Jackson and Trump... You're a Reagan lover. Oh, no. Oh, Reagan's... You have to know that that couldn't possibly be true. You like Iran-Contra scandals. Yep. Okay. Anyways, I'm gonna stop this before it continues. Before we uncover your true self. Sure. So, um, yes, that is Harry Tubman. Uh, She's, I think, one of the most, like, fascinating American women to have ever lived uh she put up with a lot of bullshit but you know what she's amazing she's a star um having said that that's the end of the episode before i let everyone go i will just remind you that you can follow me on all the social medias um on twitter it is at happy history pod on instagram it is at happy hour history pod my facebook is just like happy hour history podcast if you search it you'll see my logo my Gmail is happyhourhistorypod at gmail.com. Uh, you guys, like I said, can also find the shop if you're interested in any kind of merchandise. And the Patreon as well. Um, all this will be listed in the show notes. So if you uh, don't remember what I've just said, it'll all be there. And happy Black History Month. Happy learning about somebody that apparently I didn't know anything about. Now you're educated. Yeah, until like in like a month. Can you forget it all? You should really remember this. One. I don't remember any of the Rathbone stuff. You remembered his name. Well, that's just because he had a dope name, and I remember prostitute pistols, and he stabbed his wife. I mean, that's enough. I don't remember his first name. It's okay. You remembered all the really key parts. <laughs> but anywho, crack, um, crack. thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.